0: 2 Corinthians 9:15 Brother David Redforce thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. 2 Chronicles 16:9 For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. I hope we have a perfect heart towards the Lord. As I said this morning, Jesus talked more about money and our attitude towards it than any other single subject in the Bible, including the new birth, heaven, hell, love, and righteousness. He had a lot to say about money. The Lord was not uh, ashamed or afraid to talk about money, and he gave us some good principles that will help us. I heard about a director of a home missions for a large denomination who was making an annual visit to one of his pastors that had planted a church in a small town. The pastor was having a hard time financially with all the demands on the financial resources of the young struggling church and struggling work. And the young missionary shared the problem with the director and he asked him what suggestions that he had for him. The older man looked into this pastor's eyes and he asked him a very probing question. He said, are you tithing? And he said, no, I'm not. I used to tithe faithfully, but quite frankly, with the low pay and the demands of the ministry, I have just given when I had money left over, which hasn't been very often, answered the young pastor. I'll tell you what I'll do, answered the director. He said, if you will tithe for the next year, and be faithful at it. I'll guarantee that any bills you cannot pay and any groceries you cannot buy, I will pay for them for you." And with that, the man left with a promise that he would be back next year. The year passed and the whole missions director returned to the small town. The work there was advancing. It had grown some, not in fantastic proportions, And the young missionary pastor was learning and growing with the work and seemed to be very happy, noting that there was more food in the pantry and better clothes on the family. The director inquired and asked him about his tithing experiment and how it was working out. And the missionary said, the first couple of months I gave the 10th and could see that we were advancing very slowly in our financial condition. He said, I always wrote the check every week because I remembered your promise that you had made and your guarantee. One day, he said, I was reading and studying Malachi 3.10 and the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, I had been trusting your guarantee to meet my financial obligations if tithing failed. I know and I trusted you. But when I realized that I could trust someone who was even more faithful and more trustworthy than you, he said, God's resources are greater than anyone else. And I could always trust him and always know that he would keep the promise that he had made. Since then, he said, tithing has been a joy and God has never failed to meet our financial needs. And that's true. If we will honor the Lord, he will honor his promise and he will honor his word to us. So tonight we're talking about what is God's purpose for money? Why does God allow us to have money? What's his purpose for money? And there are three basic factors that are involved just by way of introduction tonight. And we may not get through all the notes tonight. If we don't, we'll come back to it. But there are three basic factors that are involved in our money. The first one is just simply the word giving. The word giving. We give our tithes to God, and we give our offerings to God. We read the verses there in Malachi 3.10, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing that there there shall not be room enough to receive it. Giving activates the work of God in our lives. When we give, God responds to our giving. We know the verse there in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. The Lord said, give and it shall be what? Given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. God said with the same measure that you meet, the same measure that you give out, it will be given back to you is what God is saying to us. And then by giving, we invest treasures in heaven. When we give to the Lord and we give give to the work of the Lord, we are investing our treasures in heaven. And he tells us that in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 20. He says, where thieves do not break through and steal. We're laying our treasures up in heaven, and the thieves cannot break through and cannot steal. When we give, our giving begins with our tithes and our offerings, as we saw there in Malachi 3.10. No Christian can afford to neglect his giving. And God has promised us that as we give, he says he prospers us. As God hath prospered him, we give as the Lord has prospered us. And if we give to God and his work, he will open the windows of heaven and pour out his blessings on us. And we have the wonderful privilege then of investing treasures in heaven. Giving also increases our love to the Lord. You see, as we give, it shows our love, but it also increases our love. The Bible says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And sometimes we think, well, you know, if I have a, if I have a, my heart's in something, I'll give towards it. But that's not what the verse says. The verse says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your heart will follow your treasure. What you put in your money and invest your money in, that's where your heart is going to be. So as we invest in the Lord and the work of God, it increases our love for the Lord. And then he tells us also we're to give to the poor. We give to the necessities of life. Proverbs nineteen seventeen says, He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. Isn't that an amazing promise? God says we give to the poor, and when we do that, we're lending to the Lord. And God's not going to go back on his loans. He's not going to fail on them. He says that which he hath given, will he pay him again? So we give to the poor. We also give to Christians. We're to help our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Romans 12 talks about that. In verse 13, it says, distributing to the necessity of saints, giving to hospitality, distributing to the necessity of the saints. We ought to have... I like the word feelers, if you want to use that word. We ought to have our feelers out, you might say, listening for needs and opportunities that we have to help other people. There are some people who are very private in their financial things, and you would never know that they had a need or a problem. But if you listen and if you watch, if we're careful, God will help us and bring to our attention those things that need our our help and need our attention. So the basic factor... Of finances and being financially free, the first thing is giving. The second thing is receiving. It is receiving. In response to our giving, God opens up the opportunity for us to receive provisions directly and indirectly from the hand of God. He gives us the ability to create employment or he gives us the ability to secure or hold an existing job. God does that so that we receive, and he does it because we are giving. We receive several ways. First of all, we receive through diligent labor. The Bible talks about the person that doesn't work, neither should he eat. If we're able and we can work, what a work. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 12 says, Now them that are of such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. God says, What a work. And that's the way God designed us. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, he'd made Adam and Eve. He made Adam to work. And he made us to work. He designed it. So we receive, we get money because we go to work. I, when I cash my paycheck or take it to the bank or whatever, I, I, I remember and I pray almost every week. I say something like this. I'll say, Lord, thank you for putting the meal back in the barrel and the oil back in the cruise. Amen. Just like he did for the widow. For all those years with Elijah, he does the same for us. He gives us jobs. He gives us the opportunity to work. He puts the money back into the barrel, the meal back into the barrel, and the oil back into the cruise. So we receive through diligent labor. We also receive through creative resourcefulness. Creative resourcefulness. Proverbs 31 talks about the the, uh, woman who, it says in verse 13, she, Proverbs thirty-one thirteen. she seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She works willingly with her hands. She gets the wool, the flax, worketh willingly. He's talking about creativeness, creative resourcefulness. And some of you, you have your places of employment and your work you do. You have other things on the side that you do that that has to do with your gifts, your talents, your abilities, things that you do creatively to help make money and to bring and receive things from the Lord. God provides motivation for us to be resourceful, and then he also conserves what we have already received so that we can give. He gives to us specific promptings to pray for food and clothing, to pray for other items that we have need of. And we learn that we receive as we pray and ask the Lord to give. There have been times when I've prayed about things. I remember some years ago, it was quite a few years back in the early days, I was praying about, I needed some suits of clothing and uh, there was a special need there and I didn't have the money to buy it at the time. And there was a man in our church who was a businessman and he, his wife came and asked us, asked Vicky and I said, uh, he, he had outgrown some of her, his suits and he passed on to me and I think gave me six or seven very, very nice suits, very expensive suits. And God answered the prayer. I had prayed for a suit and God gave me six or seven of them. And so we learn to pray, and God gives us specific promptings to pray about those things. He says to us in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. When we have needs in our life, we, we, we're to bring those requests to the Lord, those needs, and ask God. Don't ever be embarrassed to ask God for things. Sometimes people say, well, I don't think I should ask for myself. But even in the Lord's prayer, the Lord said, give us this day our daily bread. We ask for us. When we have needs, we bring them to the Lord and we ask them. And then he answers our prayer in precise ways and with supernatural timing. He says in Philippians 4.19, but my God shall what? Supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. We pray, and in precise ways and in supernatural timing, God provides just exactly what we need. To the degree that we give, we receive. Give and it shall be given. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And so the Lord lets us know that one of the basic factors of being financially free, it is giving and then it is receiving. The third factor is the word managing. It is managing. God wants us to learn how to manage properly what he has given to us. And by the way, when you pray about a need and God gives it, to you what you're specifically praying about don't you dare use it for something else amen use it for what God has given to you it to you for our once a week worship experience of giving to God we bring our offering we worship him it's a powerful reminder that we are stewards and not owners of what God has entrusted to us we're accountable to God For what each hour of the day, he gives us life and time. We think a lot of times about our stewardship of our money, but not only do we give an account for our money, we're going to give an account for our time. How do we use our day? We're accountable for God. How we use every penny of every dollar that we have and how we use every minute of every hour. Therefore, we cannot make decisions without checking on the word of God and see what God wants us to do. We have to be careful what we do with our money. We have to be careful what we do with our time. Every financial decision that you and I make must be in harmony with the principles of the word of God. God's word warns us to flee from those that waste our time and those that take our money. And in our society today, in our world, we have all kinds of these get-rich-quick schemes. They come in the mail and now emails that you get all the time about different things and, and all of the, trying to find ways to get your money. I've gotten these things. I've gotten one about my email account has been, has been closed, and they want me to send them money for it. And, and, and the next day, my emails come through just like they did the day before, you know. Or you get some... I got one the other day said that my... My iCloud was full. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. I didn't know you could get that cloud filled. But uh, it was full, and they wanted money. And it, it, there's all kinds of schemes that people have to try to get us to give our money to them. And so, what do we have to do? We have to learn to be careful. We also have to learn to build sales resistance. We've just gone through Christmas time. And boy, we've had a barrage of commercials on television of all of these gadgets and things that you just can't live without. You've got to have the newest and the latest and the best. And we have to be careful that we look to the Lord and ask him to give us wisdom and that we learn how to resist when they're trying to get us to, to spend our money on their product and do it unwisely. Some of you have these things that you get from time to time, and they give you a wonderful sales pitch and at the end, they always say you 've got twenty four hours or you have six hours until this offer is no longer available you know i 'll guarantee you if it 's a real offer and the six hours are open and you're over, and you say, "Hey I, I think I want to they 'll be glad to take your money in most cases, but that that pressure and we have to learn to, to be careful about it the Bible. Tells us in Proverbs 3 and verse 28, Say not unto thy neighbor and say, say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. When we think about sales resistance, we understand that we resist those, those false things, but at the same time we're sensitive to the needs, and we give and care about those who need help. Proverbs 31 talks about the wise woman, and it says, She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hand, she planteth a vineyard. She is very careful and wise in the decisions that she made. Henry Ford gave away millions of dollars, but he always tried to avoid solicitation of gifts to schools because he said he felt that the money given to schools was frequently mishandled by well-meaning, non-business-like people. I thought that was kind of interesting. And there was a a lady by the name of Martha Berry, Miss Martha Berry. And she was aware that Ford, Henry Ford, did not give money to schools. And so she still went to the automaker and she asked for an endowment for her school. And of course, Ford, he refused it as she expected. And Mrs. Berry said, well, then, will you give us a sack of raw peanuts? It's not known what Ford said to this unusual request. But he did give her the sack of peanuts. And he allowed her to take them. And with the help of her students in the school, mountain kids, all of them, Mrs. Barry, Miss Berry, presented uh, these, took these peanuts and planted them. And, and then they grew. And she harvested them. And she replanted them over and over again. She sold the crop, and she ended up with $600. And she took the $600 back to Henry Ford. And she said to him, she said, here is $600 that we have earned from the peanuts that you gave to us. See how practical we are, Mr. Ford, in the use of money at Martha Berry School. They said Ford was so impressed with her bringing that $600 with her outstanding example of stewardship, that he gave her the $600 back and then gave her an additional $2 million with which she built the lovely buildings that now grace the campus of Berry College in Mount Berry, Georgia. You see, you can rest assured that if we use God's money wisely, he will bless us. And we must be careful that we do use his money wisely. And that when money is given to us, just as we give our finances to our church, we must be careful to use that money wisely for the glory of God. Because one day we'll give an account to the Lord for every penny of it. Every one of us has equal accountability before God for every penny that he's given to us. And as we wisely manage small amounts of money God will then entrust us with larger amounts of money. In Luke 16 and verse 10, he said, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. As you and I are faithful in the least, God will bless us in much. So what are God's four purposes for money? In the Bible, God explains the difference between a natural mind... And a spiritual mind. A man who has a natural mind uses human reasoning before he decides to obey the word of God. In other words, he hears the word of God and then he tries to figure it out, use human reasoning as to why and how he should obey. But those of us who have a spiritual mind, we begin by obeying the scriptural command And after we obey, then God says he helps us to understand the hidden wisdom and the purposes behind that command. The tragedy of the man with a natural mind is that he's not able to understand the wisdom of God. And instead, he resorts to his own understanding and experiences, and he faces the destruction and the disillusionment that goes along with following human reasoning and following our own understanding. Remember what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto what? Thine own understanding. In 2 Kings chapter 17, Elijah was commanded by God to free, flee to a brook in the wilderness. He obeyed God, and as a result of it, he was protected from the wrath of the wicked queen Jezebel. God miraculously fed Elijah down there by the brook. He had the ravens to bring him food twice a day, every morning and every evening, and God provided the water he needed from the brook. The purposes of God's commands were only understood after Elijah obeyed and went to the brook. During those months by the brook, Elijah overcame severe depression that he was going through. He found rest for his soul and rest for his body and his mind. He enjoyed intimate fellowship with the Lord, and he experienced daily evidences of God's miraculous provision during a time of severe famine in his land. Soon, as you know, the brook dried up. Although God could have miraculously provided more water, he could have made the brook keep running. He used the lack of provision, the lack of water, as a signal for Elijah to change directions. God commanded him then to go to Zarephath. And again, Elijah obeyed the Lord. And later, after he obeyed, he understood the the purpose of the move that God had told him to do. God had promised to give special care to widows and to orphans. And so when God sent Elijah to Zarephath, there was a widow there that only had enough food to make one more meal for her and her son. And God directed Elijah there... And he instructed the widow to make him a cake first. And she obeyed. She didn't understand, but she obeyed. And because she did, God miraculously multiplied her food. And God's provision lasted for her and Elijah and her son for over a year until the famine had ended. You see, the widow's obedience allowed her to understand and discover an important principle. And this principle's in your notes there. When we give our assets to God first, he causes the remainder of our assets to meet our needs. Let me say that again. When we give our assets to God first, he causes the remainder of our assets to meet our needs. This widow also discovered the rewards of thanksgiving and fellowship that came through meeting the needs of other people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. You see, God wants us to learn to give because God wants us to abound, he says, to every good work and find out that he is sufficient to provide for us so that we can do those good works. He enables us to do it. And so his purposes for money are not to provide security for us. It's not to establish independence, or is it to create power or influence? So then what is God's purpose for money in our lives? First of all, God's purpose is to provide for our basic needs. God gives us money to provide for our basic needs. Go back with me to 1 Kings for just a moment, to chapter 17, and look at verse number 4 with me. 1 Kings chapter 17, and look at verse number 4. 1 Kings 17 and verse 4. And it says there, And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. God sent Elijah there, and God provided for Elijah. What did he provide for? Basic needs. There was a drought. There was famine. God said, go down to the brook. I'll provide water for you. I'll provide food for you. You see, there's only a few things like food and water and clothing and shelter that are necessary for us to maintain life. In Matthew chapter 6, where we read earlier in verses 26 through 30, where David read for us, the Lord talks about our needs there. And he says in verse number 26, of Matthew chapter six, let me get back to it a minute. Matthew chapter six and verse twenty-six, he says, uh, "Behold the fowls of the air." This is down right below where David read for us. "Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap. The birds don't sow the the fields and plow and so forth. They don't reap. Neither gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they?" The basic needs of food. God says, I take care of the birds. Aren't you better than the birds? Well, well, some of us aren't better than the birds that are here in our church, but uh, we're better than the birds. I don't know if you've noticed, but when you go out the the driveway at the church, almost every day there must be a hundred birds sitting on those power lines up there. We saw them today when we left church. And God provides for the birds. He'll provide for you and for me. He says, are not ye much better than they? And then look at verse 27. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his statue? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven... Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? I'm simply saying that God gives us money to provide the basic needs, food and clothing and shelter, those things that we need to maintain life. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 8 says, And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Boy, wouldn't that be something if we were content when God provides food and raiment for us? Now, as we think about this purpose to provide basic needs for us, what is God's wisdom in that purpose? Why does he give that as a purpose for finances? Well, there's several reasons why he does. First of all, to establish daily dependence on him. God wants us every day to depend on him. Since the beginning of time, mankind has, de- has attempted to become independent from God. There is within each one of us a desire to be self-sufficient, so that we can be our own boss. We tend to pray, God, give me riches for the future needs. Or Lord, give us this month our monthly needs. Now, I know some of you are on Social Security and retirement, and you get monthly uh, checks for your monthly needs. But God taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. He knew that daily needs produce daily dependence on him. When the children of Israel were in the wilderness and wandering, and God told them that he would provide the manna for them, every day they had to go out and get the manna, except on the Sabbath. If they got too much and kept it over, it bred worms and it stank, because God wanted them to every day go back out and get it. Why? Because he didn't want them storing it up and becoming self-sufficient. He wanted them depending on him. And that's what God wants for us. And by the way, that's one of the problems with America today. We don't need God. You know if we lost our job and our income most of us could make it for a while couldn't we If you listen to Dave Ramsey you have how many months does he say you should have saved up with, you know and and some and we prepare and there's nothing wrong with that but God doesn't give us money so that we can become independent from him so that we cannot need him He teaches us to have daily dependence On him, And just as the children of Israel went and gathered that manna every day, God wants you and me to go to his word and get the spiritual bread of life from his word every day. We need God's word and God's spiritual food every single day. That daily dependence on him that he wants us to have. And then God provides for our basic needs to deepen our love for the Lord. You see, when we fail to recognize our need for a person... We tend to lose our love for that person. Sometimes it happens in couples. A couple gets to the place where they become independent. They don't need the other person and they lose the love for that person. God created us to need him. We need him. We're only complete in Christ. And he says, without me, ye can do what? Nothing. We need him. We need him every day of our life. We need him to be the men that we ought to be and the husbands and the fathers. We need him to be the women that we ought to be and the wives and the mothers. We need him to be the employers and the employees. We need him in every area of our life. When the children of Israel were in the wilderness, God taught them to look to him for daily food for that manna. And every man, whether rich or poor today, we must learn to have a dependence upon God and as we depend upon him and look to him it increases our love for him and then also it deepens or it develops a spirit of gratefulness it develops a spirit of gratefulness as God provides our needs when you when you make your mortgage payment or pay your rent do you stop and say Lord thank you for providing housing for me and my family Or do we just sort of get to do it automatically? You know, some of us, we can even have automatic deductions, can't we? And we don't really notice it as much. We get into this thing of not needing God. Be careful. And look for ways and opportunities that we can develop a spirit of gratefulness. Thank you, Lord. We begin to lose our contentment. We compare ourselves to what we have, to what other people have, and we're not content with what God has given to us. So God wants us to develop a spirit of gratefulness. Thank God for what I have. Amen? Amen. You can look around you, every one of us, and find, find somebody who has less and who is not as fortunate and as blessed as we are. We want to give thanks to the Lord. He wants to develop a spirit of gratefulness in our heart. And then also, God wants to teach us to live within our means. He provides money so that we learn to live within our means. Contentment with basics enables us to resist that continual barrage that we get from the advertising, especially as we face Christmas time and just came through that time. That, that barrage that causes us to, and tries to convince us that we're not able to really enjoy life unless we buy some new gadget or have some new service. A contented person feels wealthy because he already knows that he possesses more than he needs for his daily living. Amen? We possess more than what we need for our daily living. In 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6, the Bible says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, That doesn't mean we can't ever have goals and desires to improve and to to do more and to learn more and to to make more. There's nothing wrong with that. But we learn to be content with what God has given to us. And so God gives us the first purpose for our money is to provide for our basic needs. The second purpose is to confirm direction. And I want us to come back to that next time. I kept you long this morning. I'm not going to do that tonight, keep you longer. But we're going to talk about providing and confirming directions for our life. You see, sometimes God gives funds, and sometimes God withholds funds. And he oftentimes withholds them because it's not what he wants us to do or where he wants us to go. And so he withholds them. You pray about something, and the Lord, sometimes he says no, doesn't he? And sometimes he doesn't provide those needs because he wants us to look to him. He wants to give us direction for our life. How many of us have had things that we, maybe you had a car that you looked at one time. I had a car years ago I went to buy, and I put a deposit on it. And I came back, it was on the weekend, and so I came back, I think it was on Monday, to get the car, and they had sold it. And then they couldn't find my deposit check, and so they looked around and searched, and finally they found it and gave it back to me. I know I could have sued them for what what happened there, but they sold the car that I had made a deposit on, and it was gone. You know what? I don't know why the Lord didn't want me to buy that particular car, but he had a reason. He had a reason. And God oftentimes will give us direction for our life by either providing or by withholding funds. As we look to him and seek him. So one of the purposes of funds is to give direction. The first is to provide our basic needs. Most of us here tonight can say thank God he's provided our basic needs. I'm 73 years old. For 73 years God's provided my basic needs. And I know until the day I die he'll continue to provide them. And after the day I die he'll provide a whole lot more than my basic needs. Amen. Amen and we'll enjoy it for eternity. And then God also uses money to give us direction. There's some other reasons we'll come back to. If we begin to understand what money is all about, why God gives money, what are his purposes of it, it helps us to begin to understand what God's doing in our life and to be content. And that's what God wants us to do, be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Are you content with what God's given you? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word tonight, and thank you for these just some practical things that will help us to understand your purpose for money. Thank you for providing for our basic needs. David said, I've been young and not been, I, I am young and now I'm old, and yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. You provided, David said, for daily needs, basic needs. I thank you for that. Thank you for all the years you've provided for my needs. Thank you for all the years you've provided for our church and for our needs here at the church. And we thank you for it. You've provided for each person here tonight. And we thank you that we look to you. We are dependent on you, Lord. We need you. May we never become self-sufficient. May we never become independent or think we're independent of you. May our finances, if nothing else, may they cause us to look to you and depend upon you. And thank you for caring for us as your children. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.